Well, good morning. We are grateful that you are here this morning. We're thankful for the opportunity to be together. Uh, we had a, a great first full Sunday last week together, and we're thankful for those who were able to be here both Sunday morning and Sunday night. We hope that you will be able to be back with us again this evening as we'll study. We're going to pick up last Sunday night. If you were with us, we looked at several of the lessons that we had been studying in the past on our Sunday evenings together. We're going to jump right back into those tonight. We're going to look at a, our Book of the Month Club, which includes tonight picking up where we left off with the study of Nehemiah. And as we have talked about the prophets and several Old Testament principles on Wednesday night, it's been encouraging for us. We hope you can be here as we refresh ourselves on some of those things this evening. It is good that you're here. We have said before that it's hard to recognize everyone uh, as they come back. So many have come back at different times as, as they have been able to and felt comfortable with it. So it's been hard to recognize everyone, but we're thankful when those are able to be back with us. We're uh, thankful to see our sister Eloise this morning, even in her loss and, and grief. We're thankful that we can encourage her and continue to pray for her, and it's good to see her. Uh, many of you know that we had a, a duck problem out front for a while. We let one of the ducks in this morning, he halfway uh, back here. My kids will give me a hard time later about that being a terrible dad joke, but I just had to throw that out there because uh, he's my buddy, and I hollered at him when he came in the parking lot earlier this morning, and Duck and Beverly are some that we've missed as they have tried to be careful with things, and it's good to see them back, and, and all of you this morning. I'll go ahead and apologize as well to begin this morning. I've been dealing with some of the congestion and allergy stuff typical of the, the spring. I, we enjoyed Florida. We really enjoyed coming home to Tennessee, but not that when you first step out of the car, it's like it all falls right in your head. So uh, I'll apologize up front this morning, but I hope that you'll bear with me as we go through the lesson together. This morning, we want to take a look at a very uh, serious topic that is something that affects almost everyone in the church in one way or another. You know, over the last couple of months, even just myself, perusing through social media, I've seen several preachers who have shared some thoughts. One preacher who posted often of the, the mental anguish and the struggles that he was dealing with through the loss that he and his family had of a stillborn child. Another preacher who has said, just straightforward on Facebook, I live with anxiety. And this is a preacher who has met with doctors and counselors and tried to learn how to cope. It's caused him to have to, to even back out of preaching and at the last minute's notice, dealing with some of the mental struggles that he has. And he was very appreciative of those who were uh, patient with him as he tried to navigate those things. And of course, as we've mentioned, we've even had some of our own who have been willing to share and open up about struggles in their family. All this points to the fact that this is something that we must discuss. And yes, it is absolutely perfectly biblical. Even though, as we're going to talk about this morning, there may not be a lot of Bible verses that we exactly open up and point to, it's something that is worthy of our consideration. May, the month of May, was designated as Mental Health Awareness Month, and even though we've kind of turned the page over into June, just like many other months where things are recognized, this doesn't have to be the only time that we talk about it, in particular the month of May. As we begin this morning, I have to give a disclaimer. I am not licensed. I am not a professional. I have mentioned to you before that over the last few months, really over the last year, I've had an opportunity to take some classes through several uh, different counselors that have led those things that have been encouraging for me, allowed me to take some things and some things that I want to share with you. But please understand that this is a very difficult subject. Up front, there are a few things I'd like for you to understand. Number one, I believe we have to be very careful with broad statements. Broad statements don't always work when you're talking about issues and specifically in regards to mental health. One person's situation is not the same as somebody else's. 
Even two people who may be diagnosed with the same thing don't come at it from the same angles or deal with it in the same way. So I believe that broad statements don't always work, and we have to be very careful when we make those. Number two, in kind of connection with that, every situation is different. Some person that goes and sees a counselor, the counselor may recommend medication for them. Someone else that goes and sees a counselor, they may not recommend medication. So every situation is different. But one goal that we have is that hopefully you can pick up some principles and certainly this morning the courage. Courage to go further. Courage to ask questions. Courage to seek help if you stand in need of help in your life. A few statistics as we begin this morning. Number one, one in five U.S. adults experience mental illness. Now, we're going to define what we're talking about in just a moment. We'll get into it a little deeper with a definition. But one in five, if we were to stop this morning and go backward through the pews, we could have one person almost on every pew stand up. One in every five U.S. adults experience mental illness. In connection with that, one in 20 U.S. adults experience serious mental illness. I don't know if that surprises you or not. I don't know what you would have thought of as you think of mental illness and people who struggle with things. You might have walked in the door this morning at the last minute and looked around and said, seen everybody and said, "I I don't think there's anybody here who's struggling with something like mental health or mental illness. But the numbers bear out that many folks do. In fact, we began to back up in ages. Studies show that 17% of youth, and you maybe can see it there, I had to make it a little smaller in the text, but 17% of youth, youth being ages 6, 6 to 17, basically school age, we might say, elementary, middle, and high school, 17% of youth experience a mental disorder of some sort. In fact, this is not going to be surprising somewhat with what we've gone through in the last year, year and a half, but one website, and I didn't get the name of it, but I read this somewhere or someone shared this in another lesson I listened to, but there's one website in particular that offers a self-screening, a self-screening service. You can go, you can log in, you can answer several questions, and then they may point you in the right direction. But that that website reported that over the last year, self-screenings were up 600 to 800 percent just last year. Now we know there's a bit of an extenuating circumstance there with a pandemic and people maybe being isolated a little more, but that people are struggling. People are dealing with many different things. And certainly folks are trying to understand what is going on in their life and in their mind and in their head and in their brain, we might say. What are we talking about when we talk about mental illness? I looked up two or three things and found two or three definitions, different definitions, but I settled on one that is in your outline if you have your bulletin in front of you. But it is a condition that affects a person's thinking, feelings, behavior, mood, or overall functioning. One of the things that we're going to talk about this morning is that there are certain stigmas that go along with certain words or certain ideas Some of us hear the word mental illness, and we think that describes a certain segment of people. That would never be me. But if you deal with a condition that affects your feelings, it may affect your behavior, your mood, or any of these other things that are listed here, then you may be suffering from a a mental illness that can be diagnosed. When we think about when and how they come up, when do they come up in people's lives? Well, some studies show that 50% Up to 50% of chronic mental health conditions are in place by 14 years old. Half 
of chronic mental health conditions are in place by 14. The number goes up to 75% by the age of 24. So it's not just an adult problem, although it certainly can be. 14 to 24 years of age is sometimes when we can see the range, these things, uh, the onset of symptoms. Now, I have this later in my notes, but I'll go ahead and share it here now. Let's take that a step further. Studies show, scientists, counselors, therapists have shown that the common, the average number for people to seek out help after they first have an onset symptom. Let me make sure I'm saying this clearly. The first time that people go seek help after they first experience a symptom is usually, on average, 11 years. 11 years. So if we say people begin to experience things sometimes between 14 to 24, but a 24-year-old may wait 11 years before they begin to seek actual professional help, then it covers a broad age group. When we think about mental illness or mental health problems, they are a combination of biology and environment. You know, it can be biological, and it, and it is for many, many people biological. There are problems and chemicals inside their brains that may not work the way that most do. It's also environment. By environment, we don't necessarily mean the way that someone is raised, but we're talking about the stressors and the environments that we live in. You may have a perfectly happy home, and you may have been raised by good parents who are doing their best, but if you go into the world and face other stressors, it can be brought on by not only biology and environment. So when we think about people being ages 14 to 24, there's a lot going on in our bodies sometimes, right? When we're 14 all the way up to 24, puberty and things that begin to hit, this is when mental health problems sometimes begin, although certainly there is no age limit. A mental illness, to kind of take this definition a little further, is some people define it, and I really appreciate this thought, a disorder of an organ in your body, the brain. You know, I think we treat things sometimes because we can't see a people's thought, a person's thought. We say, well, I can't see their thoughts, so that's something that's kind of, I don't know, something we can't touch. But what we're talking about often for people is an organ, the brain, that becomes diseased. And then a disorder, of course, sets in. And one of the stigmas that we must get over, and as I speak to this audience, there are people who are of different ages. Some of you may recall a time when nobody talked about this kind of thing. You didn't deal with it at all. And some people are in a time now where maybe we're dealing with it a little more. But one of the stigmas that has certainly taken place that we must get over is, and I heard someone describe it this way, we all have mental experiences, I mean, every day, right? We have thoughts. We have things that go through our mind. We have, you know, mood changes. We all have mental experiences. But I am not a diabetic, so I don't understand a diabetic experience. But we all have mental experiences, so often we think that we can understand what others are going through. For instance, if I'm sad, if I'm sad, but you have clinical depression, I think I understand what that means. But chances are good that I don't. Or if I'm a worrier, if I'm a person who worries, I think I understand what you're going through when you have a generalized anxiety disorder. Because anxiety and worry are, are kind of similar, right? So it might be common for us to think that a person just needs to, to pull themselves up. They need to have a bit of a stronger will to deal with some of these things. But that is certainly not the case when we talk about serious mental disorders. The reality is that mental disorders or mental illness are, is a disease of the brain and sometimes these people need more help than just having a stronger will, just working harder. And we'll come back to that in just a few moments. 
A couple of other things before we move on to some other ideas. Let's talk about what it's not for just a minute. Mental illness is not a swab. All right, some of you have had your brain scratched by the COVID-19 swab, right? Well, what happens after you get checked or tested for COVID-19? They tell you within a matter of hours or even days, yes or no. We take our children, they stick something all the way down their throat, almost to their stomach, and we can say, you have strep throat. We can test you and swab you and say, you have the flu, yes or no. Mental illness is not that way. For some people, it can take months and yes, even years worth of therapy, changing counselors, changing medications to try to figure out what exactly they are dealing with. It also doesn't mean that you're a bad person. I think that is another stigma that we sometimes fall into that cause us people to say, I can't seek help. If I seek help, people are going to think I'm a bad person. That's not the case. And even as, we li- as it says on the right side of the screen there as you look at it, we need to understand that mental illness does not mean that someone is deranged or unstable. One word that has unfortunately been used over the years, and I think this is changing some, is that that person's just crazy. That's not a good description. Or that somebody who has a mental illness requires hospitalization. That might be true, but it may not be true. That's not what mental illness is or means necessarily. I'll even throw one more out to you because it's been in the news a lot lately. Unfortunately, we hear this a lot with people who go on like a a mass killing with shooters and that kind of thing. They go in and they kill a bunch of people. We hear the news say that that person had a mental illness. And then we struggle with something that might be a mental illness and we're afraid to admit it because we don't want to be grouped together with those kinds of people. And then we feel like, no, I can't say that. And the truth is, while some people who do commit crimes, such as a shooting spree, do have mental illnesses, most people who have a mental illness do not have those kinds of thoughts. It's not the case, and we don't want to fall into that stigma. A person can have an illness or a disorder. When we think about you, there are some common issues, and the way I worded it in your outline, if you have it, common issues in the pews. When we think about, in one of the classes that I took, the, the professor, the teacher pointed out, there are many common issues that are in the pews that we don't think about. Some we do, and some we don't. And it helps sometimes to share those things, because it may be that we can get a better grip or understanding of what we're facing. One of those is anxiety. Now, when you talk about anxiety, that is a very broad word, again, to describe some other kinds of things. Maybe you deal with panic or a panic disorder. What about OCD, someone who has an obsessive compulsive disorder that then causes anxiety? What about social anxiety? There are people, and you may know someone who who don't even want to leave their house sometimes. They don't want to be around people at all because they get anxious. This is one of those things, as I think about that preacher, the other fellow minister that I shared with you, that preachers sometimes, you know, struggle with. Because not all preachers, just because maybe they are knowledgeable in the Bible and can speak publicly, like to be around a large group. And some preachers then struggle with social anxiety. But that is a large category for many different things. And unfortunately, as you're going to see this morning, we don't have time to get into the details of all of these things. But as you listen to this list, maybe you'll find something Not that you should try to, but that you might find something that's been a struggle for you that maybe then you can go forward with seeking help. What about something like ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder? I don't know if it's just my generation or my age group, but I've seen certainly how this has shifted over the years. It was ADD and then they shifted it to ADHD. But this is something that is common 
or at least diagnosed in younger children, but it can be an issue for many people. And sometimes it requires medication and sometimes it might not. But that may be something that you have dealt with or you know someone in your family who has dealt with. What about something like a bipolar disorder? A bipolar disorder is a mental illness that causes dramatic shifts in a person's mood, energy, and ability to think clearly. Now, let me interject here for just a moment. In our attempt as a group, as Christians, to understand the seriousness of those who deal with this, we have to understand that some of the things that we usually think may not be true, such as this in the bipolar disorder is not just a roller coaster. You know, it's not just a roller coaster of emotion. We're talking about sustained periods of time. If you had a good day yesterday, you feel like you're having a bad day today, doesn't mean that you have bipolar disorder. If you have a, a different change in your moods over a longer period of time, it certainly is possible. And there are those who can help as we try to diagnose these kinds of things. Another one that can be common and one that may not be talked about as much is schizophrenia that deals with hallucinations. Schizophrenia is a very complex and long-term disorder. And a note here of why a person needs to seek professional help. There is a related disorder, and a lot of time these disorders and illnesses have overlap. There's a related disorder called schizoaffective disorder, schizoaffective disorder, which is another chronic condition, but which is often misdiagnosed. As we talked about those others earlier, those who deal with things over a period of time, trying to hone in and figure out exactly what is going on. It's very serious, and a person suffering with this needs attention and care. As we mentioned earlier, we think we understand anxiety. We think we understand depression or some of these others, but we must also show compassion and care for those who deal with something that, frankly, we don't know very much about sometimes. And we need to put the time into understanding and reaching out to those who struggle. We have already mentioned depression, but we'll list it in our list here. Depression is certainly one of the more common illnesses that is often discussed. But I would say again, let's insert trying to get past the stigma. It is more than just a rough patch. It is more than just feeling bad. If you struggle with depression, then we're talking about something that goes on for a period of time. We use terms like clinical depression. And it's going to be different from somebody who has a bad day. And if you have a bad day, or you have a bad week, maybe it would be helpful to talk to someone to try to understand if there is more help for you or what you can do exactly to help you with your issues. What about something like PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder? This is one that I have I've thought about a lot lately because I think this is another stigma where we commonly leave PTSD only for those who are like in the military, right? And certainly those people have this, this kind of issue. But as we try to get a fuller understanding of how mental illnesses affect all of us, PTSD simply means post-traumatic. Have you had an event in your life that was traumatic? Maybe it was something like a sexual assault. Maybe it was something like a health scare. If you've ever been with someone who all of a sudden falls out in the floor and has a serious scare, goes into convulsions, they almost die, but maybe they still live, you may have post-traumatic event, post-traumatic stress disorder. Have you ever had a loss of a loved one? Someone who's dealing with grief, and certainly maybe if it is a, a situation that is more immediate than maybe a, a drawn-out illness, a person can have PTSD from that. 
There are so many others. There's adjustment disorders. There's borderline personality disorder and so many others that we don't have time to talk about this morning. You may have found yourself somewhere on this list. There could also be something else that you struggle with. We're going to talk about what we can do in just a moment, but let's take another step here as we think about what exactly the Bible says. What does the Bible have to say or how is the Bible involved? Well, to be honest, there's not a lot in some ways. There's not a whole lot directly with those who deal with physical and mental health issues. There are no direct commands per se. The encouragement is certainly there though for those who struggle in a more general way. Let's, let's consider a couple of passages as we move forward. First, if you have your Bible, turn to Philippians chapter 4. <clears throat> Excuse me, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. While there may not be a direct passage that deals with a medical condition and something that we must do in a direct way, there are passages that discuss having a calm spirit. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. A few others just to kind of toss out there. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 7. Casting all your anxieties or casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. Jesus himself in John chapter 14 and verse number 27 Jesus himself says to have peace, not just to have peace, but to have his peace that he leaves with us and gives to us. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Or as he says in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 34, do not worry or be anxious about tomorrow. And then one passage that sometimes we like to share in and think about, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. Paul would write to Timothy and encourage him by saying, For God gave us a spirit, or has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, let me say again and interject at this point. All of these passages remind us that when we serve the living God, we don't have to worry or be afraid. We should not be anxious. We should have peace. The Bible certainly promotes that we should strive to have good mental health. But let me just say again, for some people, that is not as easy as saying, well, I just need to pray a little harder or you just need to study your Bible a little more. In fact, one of the things I appreciated about the classes that I've been able to take, both of them have been taught by a couple of professors, doctors who have gone on and got their doctorate in counseling and that kind of thing. And they have both been ministers. And they have angled these classes toward ministers because so often ministers have had somebody come into their office and they've said, well, let's open our Bibles. Let's read a couple of verses and we'll have a prayer. And that's about all I know how to do. That might help somebody. That's not going to help everybody. And what can we do as ministers who try to serve in some form as a counselor? In fact, I forgot to write it in my notes, but one of my teachers has hammered home multiple times that I think at least 60, maybe 60 to 70% of people will go to the minister first as opposed to going to a professional counselor. So it's important that we, be, we try to be equipped to handle these kinds of things. But as much as we can look at these verses, some people need more than just praying a little harder. They need more than just studying their Bible a little more. I keep coming back to, and I appreciated my teachers, they keep coming back to this idea of a medical problem. If you have cancer, you don't sit back and say, well, I'll pray a little more. You go seek treatment. You do other things. 
And for some people, medical treatment is what they need to deal with a brain disease or a mental illness. There may be no direct commands, but there are general principles about seeking medical help, using medication, and many other things. Well, as we think about what we can do, last week, if you were with us on Sunday night, we asked the question, what now? That's kind of the question we ask about every sermon. What now? Let's talk about a few things as we begin to conclude our lesson this morning. Number one, what can we do? We need to do our best to normalize the conversation. By normalize the conversation, I do mean that for many years, people didn't want to talk about it at all. Not only that, but now as people talk about it more, some people are very confused and they don't know what to say or what to do. So we all need to be a little more educated. We need to speak about it. We need to be willing to open up and share. There was a time when people didn't do that. But one thing that can help us is that there are so many resources. So many people today are seeking treatment. So many people today are seeking counseling. They're opening up and they're sharing that this, and so many people are sharing that hopefully the stigma is starting to fade away. This is not always easy. It takes difficult conversations, often over tears, often over sorrow. We, we, most of us who may not deal with this in a serious way, don't know what to say. Just kind of like we do when we're standing there at the funeral home and someone's going through their grief. But we need to do our best to try to be understanding and to be knowledgeable so that we can normalize the discussion and be willing to talk with others. Number two, without a doubt, 100%, we need to be willing to seek help and use those resources that we just mentioned. Again, this is where I had it in my lesson, but at the average time between the onset of symptoms and treatment is very often 11 years for people. Onset of symptoms and treatment can be 11 years. There are certainly many internet resources. I would caution you about using too many of those. There can be a, a, so much information that you get overwhelmed. There is one in particular. It's called, I'll give you the website, but it's N. A-M-I, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, N-A-M-I.org, is a good place that can give you some resources and discuss these things. It might be a good place to start if you're concerned about your life to then go and seek someone uh, who has is licensed and has a, a career helping people with those things. But as we think about the internet resources, if you are struggling or someone that you love is struggling with these issues. Then number two, talk to someone. Talk to someone. I'm always willing to listen. I would hope that if you think you're dealing with something serious, let's make an appointment. You know, it's real hard sometimes as we go out the back door to have a deep discussion. Not a lot of time, a lot of people standing around. But call, text, email. Let's make an appointment. Let's find a time to sit down. Sit down. And one thing that my teachers have hammered into me is know when to refer. And I will gladly listen. I'll gladly talk with you. It will absolutely, without a doubt, stay confidential. But it may be that you need to go talk to someone else who is trained. We have had even someone from the Greater Chattanooga Christian Services. If you were with us, seems like forever ago, but I guess that might have been 2019 or the beginning of 2020. Jason Brazier is one of the workers there at the Greater Chattanooga Christian Services. Those folks are asking Jason calls me every couple of months and says, we appreciate you, your support financially from the congregation. We appreciate you sending some folks our way. Let's keep talking about it. He's asked about maybe coming back. He's asked about having a seminar, but talk to someone. And let me make a statement here. When we talk about seeking help, it is entirely 
appropriate to take medication. This is something that some people struggle with. And they say, well, I don't know that I'm supposed to. I don't know that God would want me to. I don't think that's right. Do we take medication for liver disease? Do we take medication for heart disease, for diabetes? Why wouldn't we for a brain disease? You may not need it. You may need to try it. Or you may need it to help deal with some imbalances or some things that are going on in your life and in your mind. There are a few other practical solutions that I'd share with you real quick because we're running out of time. When we think about helping others, we can make visits, we can make phone calls, we can send cards, we can offer to shop for food or to take a meal to someone. We can offer with transportation, either taking them to appointments or services. We can offer to help with childcare for someone who may need someone to watch their children while they go seek treatment. We can encourage networking with community supports, and we'll come back to that in just a minute. We can consider financial help. We can consider providing materials. Talk to our elders. Talk to our elders, elders about support. Talk to our elders if you'd be interested in having other speakers or seminars. Some of this material that I've shared with you this morning comes from a brother by the name of Gary Hicks who works down in North Alabama who did a seminar at one particular congregation that I'd heard of. We can have folks come if that would be of interest to those as we try to deal with these things. All of this is to say that we have to create an environment where we can share. I've said this a lot over the last few weeks, but when we come and we go, we're not a part of each other's lives. We are the church, but we're just kind of only see each other for just about 10 minutes each week. That's all we talk. And we're going to have trouble opening up to one another. That goes both ways. That goes for all of us. We must create an environment where we can share. I challenge you to go beyond what you think and what you've always done. And all of this is said to say that dealing with mental illness and helping those who either have one or even trying to support the family members of a person who has one, all of this is a great challenge. There may not be a set of passages. We didn't look at a whole lot of Bible this morning, but understand how serious it is because we want to continue to reach out and help others that we come in contact with, especially the body of Christ. One thought that I would share with you from another fellow preacher that I saw on Facebook, and I'm just going to read what he wrote because I think it sounds so great and kind of sums up what we're trying to say. He said it this way, something on my heart. I have long benefited from counseling and medication to help with my related, related mental issues, depression, grief, and others. I am a firm believer in both of them. I bristle when someone insinuates that a Christian only needs to have a greater faith in order to overcome these things. That said, I was also reminded recently not to discount the spiritual element in our struggles. Sometimes God asks us to wrestle spiritually with tough questions from without or bad attitudes from within in order to break through to the abundant life that he offers us through the gospel. This is this particular brother, but he said this, for me, Sometimes I think my issues are 85% medical and psychological and 15% spiritual. And he said, I think that's true as of late. But that 15% needs to be addressed or else it will fester. In your struggles, seek professional help with a counselor or doctor. Don't think that you simply need greater faith to tackle what's before you. And at the same time, don't completely discount the spiritual. It's a hard balance to strike in our lives. But as we conclude this lesson this morning, we ask for you to consider yourself and your life and to consider helping those who struggle with these mental illnesses. And maybe as a body, we together can continue to work through these kinds of things. 
As we conclude our lesson this morning and set that aside, we're about to sing a song of invitation. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not a child of God, you're not a Christian. We would be singing to encourage you that you would have your sins washed away in baptism, allowing your, your life to come in contact with the blood of Christ and that blood to wash away your sins, that the Lord can add you to his church. Maybe you're here this morning and you're struggling with something else. It's probably, and maybe not a mental disorder or mental illness in any way, but you need the prayers of this church. We're thankful for the opportunity to sing, to encourage one another. If you're here this morning and you're subject to the Lord's invitation, you can come forward now as we stand together and as we sing.